Good morning, everybody. Welcome to a Friday edition of the We Tackle Life podcast. I'm Bruce Hooley. Glad to have you with me back in the radio studio today as we react to Ohio State's loss to Indiana. Drama with the Browns. Yeah, I know. That's new, right? Yeah, never, never, never an end to the drama in Cleveland. And we also will paint the NFL playoff picture for you and talk about Greg Stadrawa's firing at Ohio State. Thanks for joining us. Remember Hemisphere Coffee Roasters Coffee, the best coffee you'll ever get and the best thing you'll ever do for people you'll never meet. How do I mean that? Well, there are missionaries in other countries that are benefiting from the coffee you buy from Hemisphere. How does that work? Hemisphere buys their coffee from people in Indonesia, Ethiopia, Nicaragua, Thailand, and other foreign countries. Those people then plug that money into their local economy, and a lot of it is mission-oriented. It funds, for instance, I think in, um, I forget the country, I think it's Indonesia, the coffee grower has funded 50 different churches in that country. So I assume you're somewhat interested in that, or at least would not object to it, but Hemisphere Coffee can stand on its own as coffee. It's the best coffee you'll ever taste because I guarantee you McDonald's and places like that aren't buying their coffee from small growers who lovingly care for their plants in those countries. So get 15% off when you use the promo code WETACKLELIFE in all caps. WETACKLELIFE in all caps when you order at HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. All right, let's start with the worst. 67-51, Indiana over Ohio State, a 16-point win. You guys know I hate Indiana. With a passion of a thousand suns, there's no team in any league or sport that I dislike as much as I dislike Indiana basketball. Yes, it's irrational. It's a scar from my youth when I was a big Ohio State basketball fan. And Indiana was always really, really good. And I felt like they uh, also got the benefit of every single call at home. And I'm irrational about it. I admit it. But... Nevertheless, it's real. Uh, Something can be irrational and still be real, and that is my real, irrational, yet genuine dislike for Indiana basketball. And I hate to see Ohio State get punked, and they got punked by Indiana last night. Trace Jackson Davis, who has been, you know, an okay player against Ohio State his first two years. I think he was one and three against Ohio State his first two years. He dominated, and he intimidated It's fine if he dominates because he's a good player. He's not a great player. Uh, He's not an All-American player unless our country's a crummy basketball country because he's a very limited player. And that's what's frustrating is he has no outside shot. E.J. Liddell has much more range than Trace Jackson Davis. Trace Jackson Davis is not seven feet tall. He shouldn't be able to get what he got last night close in as many dunks. It's just ridiculous that Ohio State played that soft. This has become a ever-present problem with the Ohio State Buckeyes over the last few years. A very soft, at times, approach to playing the sport. Caleb Wesson lapsed into it. He shrank from matchups. E.J. Liddell has not typically been like that, but he certainly was like that last night at Indiana. I don't want to say E.J. Liddell's a soft player, but he was a soft player last night at IU, and so was Kyle Young, and so was Zed Key. And you're not going to be a great team if you're three inside guys your three guys who are most capable of banging and holding their own, and the three guys who are it's most necessary for them to bang and hold their own shy away from contact. Let me give you some numbers to back that up. 
Zed Key, one field goal attempt in the second half, one field goal attempt in the first half. Kyle Young, four field goal attempts, three from three-point range. E.J. Liddell shot uh, five three-pointers. He was two for, I think it's two for 13, <clears throat> and almost half his shots were three-point shots. E.J., I know you want to be a three-point shooter, and I know you want to show the NBA you're a three-point shooter. You are not a three-point shooter. You are not a reliable three-point shooter. There are three or four other guys on this team I'd rather have shoot three-pointers than you. There's nobody I'd rather have on this team get the mid-range shot out of the low post or bang on the glass than you. And if E.J. Liddell is more dedicated to making his junior year at Ohio State about positioning himself for the NBA draft than he is about doing the things that help Ohio State win basketball games, that's not a good situation for Ohio State to be in. I understand he came back because he was told he had things to prove to the NBA. Here's the cold, hard truth. E.J. Liddell may not be an NBA player. At his size, his skill set at this point in time does not look like an NBA player to me. Now, that does not mean E.J. Liddell is not a good basketball player. E.J. Liddell is a very good basketball player. You don't win Mr. Basketball in the state of Illinois twice without being a very good basketball player. And here's the other thing. EJ's fortunate in that he's in an era where you can make a pretty nice amount of money off being a great college basketball player. And so before you worry about adding elements to your game that will theoretically make you appealing to people at the next level, I think you'd be better served by strengthening a strength and maximizing your ability as a college basketball player because to chase the NBA while you are in college will not allow you to achieve everything you can in college. And I think also is a fool's errand when it comes to turning yourself into something that perhaps your skill set does not enable you to do. So I don't want to lay the loss on EJ Liddell, but clearly last night's game was a matchup of Trace Jackson Davis against EJ Liddell in leadership in follow me, boys, we're going to win this game. I'm going to match whatever he does with whatever I'm capable of doing. And Trace Jackson Davis was up to that, and E.J. Liddell was not. Trace Jackson Davis, 27 points! 27 points! 12 boards, 5 offensive. Ohio State is a team, 5 offensive rebounds. Trace Jackson Davis had as many offensive rebounds as Ohio State had as a team. Indiana outscored Ohio State in a point. In the paint, 38 to 10. 38 to 10. Did Kent Benson come back and play for Indiana last night at age 55 or 60? Like, or 70? Like, what am I missing here? Was Jared Jeffries back out there getting a few more minutes in the lane for Indiana? 38 to 10 in the paint. Like, man up, Ohio State. That was ridiculous. Ridiculous. Now they play Northwestern on Sunday at 5.30 p.m. Sorry, I get a little upset. When have you ever seen a team, ever, in the history of college basketball, shoot 2 of 15 from three-point range and win the game by 16 points? That's what Indiana did. They won the game shooting 2 by a lot by shooting 2 of 15 from three-point range. Of course, you can do that when you're soft opponent shoots 26% and scores a season low point total and gets two, count them, one, two 
field goals in the final 10 minutes when they were down at the 10-minute mark, 46-45. to Chris Holtman was extremely reserved and kind and diplomatic after the game. But I got to believe today in the film session, he is peeling some paint off the walls of whatever room his team is in because that was an unacceptable effort. You can lose. That's fine. But you give an unacceptable effort, you get intimidated by a team that's, you know, not ranked? How do you go into Indiana and not be ready for what you're going to get there? And by the way, uh, I heard Paul and Ronnie last night on the broadcast after the game, and they're look, they're in a tough spot. They can't light them up like I can because they're employed by Ohio State, and Ohio State's not going to, you know, Ohio State, trust me, is not going to smile on a radio assessment of its play that is um, searingly, brutally accurate. But Paul and Ronnie last night said, you know, tough environment. I remember hearing them in the middle of the game go, what's going on? This is Assembly Hall. It's so quiet. This is not Assembly Hall. And Ronnie knows full well how loud it can get in Assembly Hall. And he knows last night they didn't lose that game by 16 because of the environment. Um, and I love Ronnie. And um, he he's just, you know, his hands are tied. Paul's hands are tied. And uh, you do what you have to do to um, – to go to get along and and function, but that was uh, that was a complete embarrassment last night. That Ohio State, quote unquote, offered. <laughs> a lot of churches would go bankrupt if their offerings on Sunday were as bad as Ohio State's last night. Trust me on that. Okay, I don't want you to waste your money or go bankrupt. So that's why you need to get the most out of every dollar you spend, and a lot of your dollars are spent on health insurance. Man, health insurance is expensive. And it's confusing, and it's ever-changing. But you can stay on top of it by allowing someone else to stay on top of it who is well-acquainted with all the different benefits, hospitals, co-pays, doctors. I'm talking, of course, about my friends at auiinfo.com, auiinfo.com. They will take care of analyzing your health insurance and then telling you whether you're getting a good deal or not, offering you the other options. I'm paying X. What can I get for X over at this company, that company? You may not even know about the company. You may not know you can join a chamber of commerce plan. You may not know you can join some kind of a conglomerate plan where you're a small business and whatever. Or if you're an individual, maybe you can bundle it with something else. All the possibilities, which I honestly have no clue about, but I have this that I can tell you and you can take to the bank. AUIinfo.com knows every single option you have. And they will give you those answers, guidance, and recommendations, but you always have control of what you're going to do. As an individual or a business, their service is free to you always. They're paid by the companies that you may select. A-U-I-Info.com. A-U-I-Info.com. All right, speaking of Ohio State uh, and bad effort, uh, apparently uh, Greg Stadrawa, the offensive line coach for the last six years, has been deemed not suitable to continue in his role which I find surprising because I don't think Greg Stadrawa has done a bad job as Ohio State's offensive line coach. Ed Warner did a fantastic job as Ohio State's offensive line coach. My assessment of Ohio State's offensive line is they have a lot of all-star players. They have a lot of all-American players. They recruit a lot of good players. Uh, But apparently, and this is always the way it happens at Ohio State, once you're fired, everybody says, you know, oh, he sucked at this and he sucked at this and he sucked at that. I'm I'm told, I'm I'm reading Greg Stadrawa stunk at recruiting. <laughs> well, 
I, I mean, they got Wyatt Davis out of California. They got Paris Johnson Jr. Yes, I know they didn't get Jackson Carmen. You're not going to get them all. But, uh, I mean, I don't think they suffer from a lack of talent. Um, and then I hear that he's, you know, oh, well, his decision to put Thayer Munford and Paris Johnson Jr. at guard. Rrr. You think Greg Stadrawa makes that decision independent of Ryan Day? No, no, and no. Ryan Day said numerous times, I want to get my best five offensive linemen on the field. So, okay, you tell Greg Stadrawa that and tell him to make it work, and he follows the orders of the head coach. You know, you could have a garage full of Corvettes, and I could say, hey, why don't you run over there to uh, Kurtz Brothers Mulch and Soils and get me a couple yards of mulch? And you'd say, well, uh, gee, okay. Uh, because you don't have a pickup truck, you use one of your Corvettes and you put the top down and you pour the mulch in the back seat. And then I go, well, idiot, the back seat of my Corvette's dirty. Well, all you have are Corvettes. So if all he has are huge tackles and you say, get your best five offensive linemen on the field. And he's like, well, okay, I guess I got to put Paris Johnson at guard because I sure can't put Dewan, whatever the heck Dewan's last name is at tackle. Cause he's ginormous. Uh, you know, I just I think that's unfair to blame uh, Greg Stadrawa for that. I just think that's unfair. Uh, Dewan Jones, uh, I couldn't think of his name right away, but Dewan Jones has been. Ohio State fans have had this. You know, uh, they look at Dewan Jones <laughs> like they look at Bigfoot, like whoa, the legend, the legend of Bigfoot. Dewan Jones has been a legend with Ohio State fans ever since Master Teague broke a long run against Northwestern a few years ago and Dewan Jones, you know, ran down the field with him. Dewan Jones is the unicorn. He's like, you know, the one and only Dewan Jones because he's just bigger than all outdoors. I mean, the guy is what, like 6'8", 360? And he came in here over 400 pounds. And so, all right, you want to get Dewan Jones on the field. He's a road grader. Great. So then you got to move Paris Johnson in and then you're going to fire Greg Stadrawa because, hey, you know, you play nothing but tackles. You got him out of position. Well, he was told to do that, okay? So, and then I don't also subscribe to the theory that, well, Ohio State struggled to run the ball. They did? You know what you have to do to run the ball? Wait for it. This is a revelation coming. You know what you have to do to run the ball? Run the ball. That's what you have to do. You have to actually hand it to a running back. So when you get behind Oregon and you throw it 50-some times and you get behind Michigan and you throw it 50 times... Yeah, your rushing stats aren't going to look that great. But that's Greg Stadrawa's fault. Does he call the plays? I don't know Greg Stadrawa. I mean, I know him. If he walked in here, I'd know him. But I've never, I don't think I've ever spoken to the man. But I can tell you when a guy gets fired for bogus reasons or gets blamed for things that aren't his fault, and in the case of Greg Stadrawa, blaming him for playing Paris Johnson Jr. and Thayer Munford at guard is blaming him for something that's not his fault. Blaming him for not running the ball when you throw it 50 times is not his fault, all right? So that's what I'll say about that. And then they got the new guy, Justin Fry, former UCLA offensive coordinator. Why would he come here? They're going to pay him well, and he avoids being at UCLA when Chip Kelly gets fired. So that's why he would come here. And he probably wants to work with Ryan Day. So there you are. Those are your reasons behind the firing of Greg Stadrawa. Now, I hope Greg has a good attorney, and if he doesn't, Greg, reach out to my friends at Willis Spangler Starling because they specialize in employment law, 
and in personal injury. I know you haven't suffered a personal injury. I assume they didn't kick you out the door. Uh, which, by the way, that reminds me of the IU basketball win over Ohio State. They wore those Clark Kellogg uniforms. And when you see those Clark Kellogg uniforms the next time, the ones they wore against Duke, the one with the script Buckeyes on the front, those uniforms are going to look different. You know what they're going to, how they're going to look different? There's going to be a footprint the size of Trace Jackson Davis's foot right on the rear end of their shorts because Trace Jackson Davis kicked them up and down the court last night in Bloomington. All right, I got that off my chest. Back to my friends at Willis Spangler Starling. Greg Stadrawa, reach out to him, baby. They'll take care of you on your separation agreement from Ohio State. Uh, he gets paid through the end of the month. If they're not going to pay him through the end of the month, call my man, Stan or Phil or Ashley or any of the other great partners or Kelly at Willis Spangler Starling, and they'll take care of you. Willis Spangler Starling located in Hilliard Employment Law, Social Security Disability. They're not ambulance chasers. They are highly high-character people, full of integrity, full of expertise, acumen. That's why their firm is expanding and why it's growing because when you get service from an attorney and it's awesome and they explain it to you and they prioritize your case like your case is the Super Bowl because it is to you and they understand that, that's why Willis Spangler Starling is growing. Willis Attorneys, willisattorneys.com online, Twitter site, at Spangler Willis, S-P-A-N-G-L-E-R, Willis, W-I-L-L-I-S. Willis Spangler Starling. Check him out. Okay, now to the Browns and Bengals on Sunday. Uh, the Battle of the Backups. The Upper Arlington-New Albany game earlier this year in high school football was the Battle of the BMWs. This is the Battle of the Backups. Uh, Case Keenum will step out there for your Cleveland Browns in Baker Mayfield's stead. And uh, Baker Mayfield, uh, I know, shocker, right? Baker Mayfield involved in drama this week. Yes, I know. We never, ever, ever see any drama or hear any drama out of Baker Mayfield. But he's done for the year. He got sacked nine times in the loss to the Steelers on Monday night. He's going to have his torn labrum and his left shoulder fixed as soon as possible. And Mary Kay Cabot, Cleveland.com, full disclosure, I worked with Mary Kay. I know Mary Kay, and I like Mary Kay, and Mary Kay works very hard at her job. Listen, there are two people that I have encountered in my years in newspaper journalism, radio, TV. Notice I didn't say radio and TV or journalism because they're not. But newspapers, newspapers aren't anymore. They used to be. Uh, sports journalism still has some vestige of authenticity to it. But Mary Kay Cabot and Tim May are the two hardest working people I've ever seen in newspaper journalism. It takes tremendous energy and resolve to give the same effort in year, I don't know what, 25, 30, covering a team as it did in year two, three. And Tim and Mary Kay both did that and do that. And Tim's not with the dispatch anymore, which is great for Tim. He's now doing uh, his own thing. But Mary Kay yesterday wrote a story about, hey, Kevin Stefanski and Baker Mayfield have some issues. Wasn't like, you know, they hate each other. Wasn't like they can't work together. It was like they have issues. Baker thinks this. Stefanski thinks this. And Baker Mayfield, of course, has to clap back because he's Mr. Clapback. And he says this on Twitter. Clickbait. You and many other Cleveland local media continue to be the drama-stirring reporters with no sources or facts. 
Don't put words in my mouth so you can put food on your table. I'm not your puppet. Okay. Hey, Baker Mayfield, you're the one who walked off the field after the Lions game and didn't talk to people, which is a move that a quarterback in the NFL can't do. You're the one who said after another game, I think the Ravens game, that you got conservative in the second half. You're the one who has dropped hints all season long about Kevin Stefanski uh, underachieving or underwhelming you with his play calling, his leadership, and other things like that. You're the one, given Odell Beckham, Jarvis Landry, Richard Higgins, Donovan Peoples-Jones, Austin Hooper, David Njoku, on and on and on. Oh, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt as offensive weapons with an offensive line where every single guy but maybe one ranks in the top five at his position. And you're the one who threw 17 touchdowns and 13 interceptions and failed to get this team in the playoffs or even have them eligible for the playoffs in the final week. That's all on you, Mr. Progressive Commercial, Mr. Posing in your underwear with a tiger in a sports car. Don't come at Mary Kay Cabot or any other reporter as if they're the ones who continue to be the drama stirrers here. You are the one with a freaking oar the size of a, a, a all outdoors and stirring up trouble, stirring up nonsense, stirring up <laughs> all this kind of talk around the Cleveland Browns about it always being somebody else's fault and not your fault, okay? Stop with the chip on the shoulder crap. You were the Heisman Trophy winner. You were the number one overall pick in the draft. Not sorry, expectations come with that. You reveled, reveled in being adored by Cleveland Browns fans when you popped off the bench for the horrendous Tyrod Taylor as a rookie and played extremely well. But guess what? Welcome to big boy football, Baker. The NFL adjusts to people's success, and you then have to adjust to the adjustment. And you never have. Maybe because you run too hot emotionally in your mind. Maybe because you got your mind on too many other endeavors instead of football. I don't know why, but you have underachieved as the quarterback of the Cleveland Browns, and they are built to win right now with Miles Garrett, with a secondary that's young and developing but talented, with a linebacker like Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa, who has not been a disappointment, and with an offense that has every single thing it needs to win a Super Bowl, except a quarterback who can execute a game-winning drive in the playoffs when Patrick Mahomes is on the bench and the ancient Chad Henney is playing quarterback for the Kansas City Chiefs. So don't come at Mary Kay Cabot or Tony Grossi or Scott Petrack or Jeff Shudell or anybody else with your nonsense about how it's always somebody else's fault because it isn't. It's on you. Own it. Rise above it. Conquer it. Stop blaming other people for your inadequacies and your failures because that's whose they are. Yours. I have no patience for this punk. He is a punk. He is immature. And he's average talent. But if he would humble himself and take coaching, he could perhaps be the kind of quarterback Browns fans hoped he was. But he has not been that for much of his four seasons. And I don't know why this team would welcome him back in 2022 I would invest every single effort I could in getting Russell Wilson 
to Cleveland. I'm not as keen on bringing in what appears to be a seriously flawed human being in Deshaun Watson unless he is the victim of the greatest smear campaign or the most ardent smear campaign ever. Would I rather have Jimmy Garoppolo than Baker Mayfield? Yes, I would. Yes, I would. Not because I think Jimmy Garoppolo is a surefire better quarterback than Baker Mayfield, but because I think Jimmy Garoppolo cares first and foremost about playing quarterback. That's why. Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins won't be the drama queen off the field that Baker Mayfield is. I think Kirk Cousins is the most attainable, gettable, acquirable quarterback among all those available because I'm sure Rick Spielman would like, I'm I, I'm sure in my own sureness, I'm not talking to Rick about this, but I'm sure that the, the Vikings wouldn't shed any tears over losing Kirk Cousins. Um, and maybe they'd take Baker Mayfield, although I, Rick's Baker Mayfield is not a Rick Spielman kind of guy. Not at all. <laughs> so um, that's where I am with it. I'm fine with trying somebody else because Baker's had adequate, more adequate. He's had more talent around him than any Cleveland Browns quarterback since Frank Ryan. And that, you go, Frank Ryan, dude, you're in a wayback machine, Bruce. Yes, I am. He's had more talent around him than Frank Ryan. And (laughs) just ridiculous that this punk, Baker Mayfield, calls a story about he and Stefanski not getting along. Not being arch enemies, not being complete adversaries, not wanting to go 30 paces with pistols at 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 dawn, just not being on the same page. He rips on Mary Kay for that. Man, grow up, Baker Mayfield. Grow up and get off social media. Prove to the Cleveland Browns who are paying your salary that you care about football. Man, I have no patience for punks like this. You want to go back to high school, Baker Mayfield? You want to go back to Lake Travis? Then go back. Go back to high school. This is the NFL. You're being paid a lot of money. And you are the face of a football franchise, of which there are only 32 in the world. So grow up. Man, that kid is, he is such a punk. Okay. (laughs) Wow. It's hard to transition from that to the faith portion of the podcast. Um, But I'm passionate about... And so uh, this is how I'm going to transition. I didn't plan this, but this is how I'm going to transition. Kirk Herbstreet's taking a lot of heat this week, and Kirk Herbstreet got a an, an there. There's no other kind of cheap shot other than an unfair cheap shot. Michael A. Race in the Dispatch wrote a column about Herbie being off base on his comment prior to the Rose Bowl about players today not loving the game like players did back in his era. You can debate that. Mike A. Race's opinion is fine. It's it's he's entitled to it. Uh, he's not. It's not as valid as Herbie's because um, Herbie, I think, has more connections in the game. He's inside the game. He sees the game. He can. He is uniquely qualified uh, to talk about what he sees and hears from players, and what he knows from being a player and from knowing the teammates of his era. But Michael A. Race can have his column. That's fine. But Michael A. Race trotting out at the end of his column that, oh, well, the reason Kirk Herbstreet's doing this is, you know, the insinuation in the column was because Kirk is rich and he took a tax deduction for buying a home and these players today can't do that. And, oh, maybe if they had Kirk. The the clear insinuation at the end of Mike A. Race's column was that maybe if 
these players had Kirk Herbstreet's money, you know, they would they would think differently. As if Kirk's opinion is invalid because he makes a lot of money at ESPN. So let me say this. Kirk Herbstreet's earned his money. Kirk Herbstreet's the best college football analyst out there right now. He and Todd Blackledge. Nobody, that was what I said earlier about Mary Kay Cabot and Tony Grossi working hard. It's 100% true of Kirk. Kirk loves college football, and he's never coasted in his job. Now, Kirk and I are, are, are friendly. Uh, I mean, are we friends? I mean, we, we talk like what? Maybe maybe twice a year? <laughs> maybe. Uh, I'll text him. He won't return the text at times. Other times he will. He was kind enough to come on uh, a radio show that I did recently, and we are friendly, but I wouldn't say we're friends. He doesn't confide in me with issues in his family or things like that, nor do I him. Uh, he lives in Nashville. I live here. He might now live in Cincinnati some, but you know, we're not friends. We're not best friends. We're not friends like Chris Spielman and I are friends. And I don't mean to name drop, but you guys know that Chris used to do the podcast with me and Chris and I are, are very close or close, not very close. We're close. Kirk and I are not that, but I can, but I feel like, you know, it's, it's up to me because this is not in Kirk's nature. Kirk is not confrontational. Kirk is not, Kirk has apologized for what he said, which is ridiculous. He shouldn't apologize for what he said. What he said was right. By and large, players today do not maintain the single-minded focus on football that they did during Kirk's era. It shows in guys opting out, which was what Kirk used as an um, invitation to get into the topic. So how's this the faith portion of the podcast? This is the faith portion of the podcast in that there are a couple elements at work here. When you are persecuted and you don't clap back, that takes tremendous discipline. It takes tremendous peace. And conversely, if you trot something up from 20 years ago or 15 years ago, like Michael A. Race did, that's small-minded and petty. And I would argue that in this case, Kirk has personified the fruits of the Spirit, and those who criticize him have not. Uh, because one of the fruits of the Spirit, and I think it is uh, perhaps, for me at least, the most elusive, is self-discipline. Uh, the fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, and self-control. Self-control is disciplined. Um, and I think another aspect uh, of being authentic in your faith is work ethic and doing things right and for the right reasons. I would say that I don't believe that what Mike Arace did to Kirk was right, and I don't believe it was for the right reason. I believe that it was an opportunity for Mike to take a cheap shot at Kirk because he doesn't like Kirk, and he's probably jealous of how much money Kirk makes. Mike and I are not friends. <laughs> Mike and I certainly will not be friends after this podcast. I try to live to the uh, Apostle Paul's admonition to, as much as is possible, live at peace with all men. But I will defend people that I know when I know their motives. And um, I think we have reached a point in our culture where taking a stand, not being on the attack, but taking a stand is a rarity. And Kirk took a stand, standing up for the integrity of the sport, standing up for work ethic, standing up for accountability. I believe those are worthwhile values. I do not believe that things we do are meaningless. This dismissal of 
certain football games as meaningless is to me a very toxic attitude in our society where the only thing that matters, the only thing that has meaning is if it has meaning to me personally. Uh, That's not true. That is not true. And that is not scriptural. We are told to serve others. We are told to first and foremost, you know, be obedient to scripture. And I just don't think that, I don't think Kirk did anything wrong, said anything wrong. And the uh, vitriolic attacks on him, as I view them, are not grounded in staying on the topic he broached, but rather are engaged in by those who have some kind of animus against him. And so I will defend my friend. I will stand on that. And that is where I will leave it on a Friday edition of the We Tackle Life podcast. I hope you have a great weekend. I will talk to you on Monday. We Tackle Life at